time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. It's a Wednesday. We've got the pen poker extraordinaire Paul Matthews in the studio as ever. And we're kind of coordinated on the screen, I'm noticing here, with our blue shirts. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Pen poking looks better than ever. Have you been practising? Of course I've was been practising. What was it called? The fencing yes. has inspired you. Did you ever do fencing? Because you were in France for a little while, the home of fencing. Uh, I didn't do it in France, but in the UK I did start study stage combat which involved oh. uh, learning fencing wow how is it did you get to wear the whole like gear and stuff no because we were trained not to hit each other <laughs> okay you don't <laughs> want to actually poke anyone that's why you're very good at getting very close to me so listeners and viewers on video radio don't be alarmed when paul pretends to poke me he's not actually getting me and now he has just to prove a point <laughs> uh, i just saw the numbers paul and you confirmed it's a record high we've smashed the record by quite some way 2223 covid cases it is um it's a little bit worrying but to be honest it was expected the government said that up to mid august or so the numbers would be rising so yes. Well, we just have to stay safe. We have to be sensible. Um, we have to basically stay at home, try not to go out. Yeah, you had your vaccine earlier because you got one of the spares, right? One of the, the leftovers. Chanyol vaccines. Um, and yesterday was my day, now that we can register for them, our age group. Yeah. And I did it at 10pm and a few teething problems initially because you've got to choose one of the methods to prove your identity. Okay. I chose the wrong one. It was my fault. Oh dear. Uh, but once I chose the correct method which was just your phone number yeah uh it was really smooth really easy uh, i think all the dates up till mid-september have now been taken right and so the people who register later on today it'll be digit sending in one so the first the 11th the 21st the 31st my wife will do it and i booked for the 17th of september that's my fantastic uh, I, it makes me so happy that people are so eager to get the vaccine i know there is some hesitancy in other countries mm. that there are issues with vaccines having to be thrown away because people oh, aren't using them yes so it makes me really happy to see that here in korea i know we don't have enough ma vaccines but at least everyone is eager to get them eager to make everyone safe yeah and i don't think other countries have such a great system for the leftover vaccines like we do either uh, let's get to today's book i previewed it's a very short one today uh, yes it is but it's a very very good one we're going back to the start of the 20th century to an author we actually featured before back in may last year oh uh, we did a story called a lucky day mm -hmm. um his name is hyun jin gon and the story we're going to feature today is called Home. Now, it was first published back in 1926, and it's translated by last week's translator, the wonderful Sora Kim Russell. And it is only seven pages long. Wow. And it is available for free for anyone on the internet. Oh, amazing. So you can freely look at this wherever you are in the world. Home by Hyun Jin Gon. Yes. Gon spelt G-E-O-N. Kohyang is the Korean title, literally meaning like hometown kind of thing. Exactly. Right? So uh, my challenge for everyone listening today mm. is 
read the story. It's only seven pages. You can do it in your lunch break or mm-hmm. after your dinner. But I think it would be a good challenge, and it's a really, really good story to read. And maybe, if you're ambitious, in the song breaks, you could kind of fit it in as well. I reckon if you're a fast reader, it might be possible. And there is a reason why you picked this story, but you're not going to tell us until later. No, no, there is a very important reason. I'm going to save that for part Mm, three. I'm scratching the hairs on my chinny-chin-chin. You don't have any. I do not, and I have a mask that would cover them even (laughs) if they were there. Let's get back to the author then, because... We did him last year, but that's not fresh in my memory. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, He had a bit of a turbulent life. He was born in Daegu in 1900, the son of a postmaster. He was a really good student, Mm. Um, but he grew up during the Japanese occupation. And Mm. at 13, he went to study in Tokyo, uh, graduated from high school, and then went to study in Shanghai with one of his brothers, and then had his first story published at the age of 20. It was called Sacrifice Flower. And the next year, at 21, he became a journalist for the Chosun Ilbo, for the newspaper. And he continued to write as a journalist and as a novelist. He was writing short stories and so on. And he was also part of the new literature movement of the 1920s. His pen name was actually Bingho. Um, But there were some difficulties in his life. He actually spent a year in prison. Oh, dear. because uh, uh, reporters erased a Japanese flag from the shirt of a photo of a gold medalist. His name was Son uh, Kijong at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. We've because, talked about that, yes. Yeah, because he was Korean and they wanted to celebrate him as being Korean, even though uh, we were still under occupation by Japan. Yeah, he had to have the Japanese national anthem blaring out. And yeah, we did mention that the newspapers, some of the brave ones, did that. And he was among those involved. He was. And so, yes, yeah, spent a year in prison um he died really young he died at the age of 44 uh, from tuberculosis and uh, all we have left are his stories several novels a number of short stories but they are very very good and uh, i think they're very important because they 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 tell us about this particular period Mm. in korea yeah we did a story recently about um the first official korean gold medal which had to come many decades later but we can look back to song Jong there and the 36 olympics uh tropical k asking today paul before we get into the readings and the translator as well are we going to be crying or rolling on the floor i can't deal with any more tears I don't know whether you're going to be crying. It's a melancholy story, mm-hmm. but it's important historically, socially, politically. So okay. uh, I would say put on a brave face. You can get through this. Sora Kim Russell, as you mentioned, we did last week and have done many weeks. And uh, she's wonderful on social media, sometimes interacting with us, Paul. Uh, but for anyone who's listening for the first time, like Karen Sabrina, I believe, give us the lowdown. Uh, absolutely. She's a Korean-American literary translator. We featured her numerous times on the show. And, uh-huh. uh, uh, well, she's done all sorts of interesting books, something like... Uh, Uh, 19 short stories, at least 10 Korean novels translated into English. Books by Gong Ji-young, by uh, Shin Kyung-suk, by Bae Su-a, by Hwang Sok-yong, by Jan Sung-tae, by Pyeon Hae-young. We featured some of those on the show. Yes. Um, And they're all absolutely brilliant. Uh, She actually wanted to be a poet and a writer of fiction herself and thought that translation would help her find her way as mm-hmm. a writer but in fact translation sort of took over and now she's one of the best translators we have of korean literature 
Do you know, were you listening for K-Stream earlier, Paul, and we talked about the KPIPA doing the K-Book Translation Contest? Kapipa! Yes, indeed. I was waiting for that shout. Is that something that piques your interest, Paul, at all, doing some translations and I have, stuff? I have done translations in the past. The translations I normally do are for theatre. Oh. So um, rather than literature, what I do is I translate scripts that are then used as surtitles. Oh. So I've... Travelled uh, to the UK on a number of occasions, for example, to uh, be the subtitle operator, but also the translator for the script. Fantastic for like Korean performance. Yes, yeah, so um, I've actually I've actually translated Shakespeare into English a number of times <laughs> from the Korean. Uh, yeah, because it was a, it was an adaptation. So, for example, <laughs> we took Romeo and Juliet to the Barbican Centre in London mm. uh, a decade ago. We also went to the Edinburgh International Festival with the Tempest wow. and performed there. And I have to say, it's a real pleasure. It's it's quite stressful and nerve-wracking because you're doing the surtitling live, which means you have to breathe with the actors and you have to get each line matching, which can be something of a struggle. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yes, I, I love translation. I love doing it. But... Uh, Literature is a little harder than theatre, I have to say. I think it would take a while to do some of the books they were talking about. But Sora Kim Russell, I'm sure she's working on some translations now. Uh, let's get on to our first reading then. Again, it's been translated into English wonderfully. Where do we begin? We begin on a train with two strangers. One who wants to talk and the other who's not really interested. Finally, as if he couldn't bear to not talk, he turned to me and asked, Where are you headed? In the Kungsang province dialect. I'm on my way to Seoul, I said. That's so? Nice to meet you. I'm headed to Seoul too. I guess that makes us travelling buddies. I didn't know how best to respond to his overly friendly tone, and frankly, I didn't care to respond at all, so I said nothing. You lived in Seoul long? he asked. I've lived there about six or seven years. I was a little annoyed, but I couldn't not answer. Oh, that's a long time. Uh, this will be my first time in Seoul. Uh, where do you suppose an odd jobber like me should head? Uh, do they have any kijinyado, as we say in Japanese? He asked and frowned, like he was contemplating his own narrow circumstances. I discovered then that his face was far more suited to frowning than to smiling. His patchy eyebrows stuck straight up and there were lines etched into the forehead of his droopy face. The flesh beneath his eyes kept twitching and his cheeks were sunken. The left side of his mouth was twisted into a sneer as if he were chewing bitter sumac and his crinkly eyes looked watery. He couldn't have been much older than 30 but his face aged at least 10 years when he frowned. I was so moved by the evidence of hardship in his face that my hostility towards him lessened. Uh, I don't know, but there must be workers' lodgings of some kind. He pressed me for details about the lodgings, as if grasping at straws, and asked, I don't suppose there's any work to be found these days? I felt bad that my responses sounded so frosty and unkind. But as I knew nothing about available jobs, I couldn't give him any better answers. <laughs> A 
when you started reading that, I thought, oh, that guy who's from the countryside, not from Seoul, going for the first time, he's what we say in Korean, very like nunchiopsa. He's got no sense that the other person really doesn't want to speak. And I was getting yeah. quite annoyed. I was like the guy who was reluctant to respond. And then by we, the end of it, maybe yeah. not so much. Well, we've all been there, whether it's on the subway or the bus and someone starts talking to us and we just want to read our book or listen to our podcast or whatever it may be, but you have to take out your headphones, close the book, <laughs> make eye contact, make small talk. And a lot of the time it feels like a bit of a chore, but sometimes yeah. you find yourself having this really interesting conversation. And this is a fascinating conversation. Oh, and so does it develop from here? It does. He gets drawn into this stranger story. Now, we should talk about what the stranger's wearing. Uh-huh. So on this train from Daegu to Seoul, this stranger is very odd looking. Okay. He's got a Korean style jacket. Mm-hmm. He's got Chinese style trousers. And he's got a Japanese kimono instead of an overcoat. What? Yeah. He's all a mishmash of everything. Yes, and it seems like he can also speak Japanese and Chinese because he speaks to the other passengers on the train Uh as a Japanese guy and a Chinese guy, and he speaks to them in both languages. Oh, and he used a Japanese word in there as well, right? Uh, He did. And so uh, it's very curious. And finally he starts talking to the narrator, and he tells him, oh, I'm heading to Seoul for work. I've just come back from my hometown near Daegu, which is a small village with a hundred struggling farming families. And he starts telling his story. Mm. And he explains that nine years ago, when he was just 17, he and his family moved to Manchuria to seek their fortune. But it didn't turn out very well, and they struggled to survive. His father passed away quite quickly. And then four years later, his mother passed away as well, exhausted, just couldn't cope with the conditions. Tragic. Yeah. And so the narrator starts to take pity on him. And he's actually got a bottle of rice wine that his friends gave him for the journey. And he cracks it open and they share it in teacups. (laughs) And the stranger keeps talking. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how he traveled down through China, all the way back into Korea to Andong, did some odd jobs here and there, then headed to Japan. He was a coal miner in Kyushu. He worked at the ironworks in Osaka, but he never saved anything. He spent all the money he had. (laughs) He was a foolish young man. And then several years after that, he decided to return back to his hometown. And that's where we pick up with the second excerpt. Angry and longing for the mountains and streams of his native country, he raced back to Chosun, and visited his hometown for the first time in years before deciding to move up to Seoul and look for work. That must have been nice to see some familiar faces. What familiar faces? The village was gone. Oh yes, I imagine a lot would have changed in nine years. It didn't just change. No one lives there anymore. No houses, no people, not so much as a stray dog. Do you mean to say it's a ghost town? Hmm. I guess you could say that. All that's left are a few crumbling walls. I couldn't even find the plot that our house used to sit on. I take it you've never seen an abandoned farming village? His voice cracked as it went higher. The rafters had all rotted and fallen, and the foundation stones were lying around exposed. It looked just like bones strewn around a dug-up grave. How could something like that happen? A village of over a hundred families reduced to nothing in less than a decade. He let out a long sigh and stared off at the distant mountains as if reliving the sight. Then he gulped down another cup of wine that I had poured for him. 
broke my heart. It broke it, he said, and two fat tears spilled down. I felt like I was looking directly at the wretched, gloomy face of Chosun between those tears. After a moment, I asked him, So, you haven't seen anyone that you used to know? I saw one person, just one. Family? No. Someone who used to live next door, he said, and his face grew even gloomier. You must have been very excited to see each other. Of course, it was like seeing a ghost. Not to mention that we had a little history. History? She and I were betrothed. Aha! Uh -huh. I was so amazed by this that my mouth wouldn't close. Her life turned out no better than mine, he said, and told me her story. So initially not interested, feeling bothered, he's now like enthralled by the storyteller sitting next to him. Yeah. I like it. Um, and his sad story of returning to his rural hometown, which isn't there anymore. Yes. Aww. And the girl he was meant to marry. Oh, wow. Just bumping into her. I'm intrigued. So what is her story? <laughs> Well, they had been in love as teenagers. They were promised to each other they were going to marry, but she disappeared when she was 17. She was sold to a brothel by her father. Oh dear. And because of that, her family were driven out of the village. Um, and she worked at the brothel. She managed to escape. And uh, when he met her, when he went back to the hometown, she was working as a nanny for a Japanese family. Hmm. And it was because she'd aged so much because of her hard life that the brothel owner had taken pity on her. Oh, she no. looked like a walking corpse, so he released her even though she hadn't paid all her debt back. Mm. And she, too, had tried to come back to the hometown, only to find it gone just like him, and so she found herself work as that nanny for the Japanese couple. Mm -hmm. So, these two unlucky souls, this stranger and his old love, ate together, drank together, said goodbye. Oh. And at this point, well, the strangers had enough of talking. So he and the narrator finish off the bottle of rice wine and the stranger starts to sing. Is this whole story set in the train and it's just their conversation? Just a conversation. Oh. Seven pages. It's so short but so powerful. Wow, yeah. And on the train in Korea, back in the day, before KTX, you know, you had like the Mugunghwa trains and whatnot and the Seomao trains. Yes. I think it was common to strike up these conversations, and this is just a sign of, like, olden times compared to modern all around the globe. You know, you just get to know someone for those few hours. Maybe never intend to see each other again. You wouldn't exchange social media accounts or anything like that. No, you just have a conversation because you're stuck together for yeah. five, six hours. Just for some entertainment, because there were no tablet PCs, rarely maybe a magazine on the train. I miss that, but I would never... I wouldn't dare of thinking of doing that in this day and age, just randomly starting talking to someone next to me, even in an airplane or something like that. That's sad, a little bit. I, I still do it sometimes. Really? Yeah, I'm still the boring stranger. <laughs> You're this guy. I'm in London. I'm in Australia. Tokyo. The Philippines. Finland. Indonesia. New York. Arirang Radio. Radio. Now live in Seoul. Just as he had, she went first to the hometown that she had longed for for over a decade, 
only to find her home gone, her parents gone, and only a lonely pile of stones to wring the tears from her eyes. She spent the day weeping and grieving the years lost, and returned to the town, where she wandered about until finding work with the Japanese family. Thanks to the few words of Japanese that she had picked up over the last ten years. I know they say people change, but how can someone change that much? Her, her once thick hair was thin and falling out. Her eyes were sunken and even her skin, which used to be so smooth and soft, looked like it had been burned with acid. You must have clung to each other and wept a great deal. Oh, we didn't cry. We went straight to a noodle house and drank and then parted ways. Oh. He let out a pained sigh as if something were pressing hard on his chest and looked exhausted from the old sorrows that sprang up anew in his mind. What's the point of talking about it? He said sadly and stopped. It pained me too to hear about such a cruel fate. Let's finish off the alcohol, I said. We poured each other drinks until the bottle was empty. Tipsy from the wine, he recited a song that he had once sung as a child back before he had understood what it meant. Convenient timing there, stopping the reading before the singing. I wanted to hear Paul's old little shanty. That would have been lovely. <laughs> oi! Oi! I don't want to ruin the atmosphere. This is true. We don't want to spoil it with a nursery rhyme. We've got some messages talking about how this tale is unfolding painfully. Sophie's saying uh, it seems like a disappointing end to maybe that trip to the village and Japanese occupation during the Second World War. That was devastating as well, totally changing human kind and war does destroy all sorts of life itself it, it does indeed and this story is pretty much a, a comment on that a mm. comment on japan's effect on society tropic girl saying i relate we've all been foolish with money being young but oh my god what sort of parent sells their daughter to a brothel are the horrible things some parents do i truly don't know what to make of this first reading We've all experienced this, though, sitting next to someone travelling and someone wanting to talk and others not. It's probably more prevalent these days with people being cautious of strangers, just like Peter. <laughs> uh, the writer is a soft heart, changing his approach and tone when he realised that his fellow traveller was having a tough time. Yeah, I agree with all of that, Tropic Girl. It's, it's harsh and horrible, a father selling his daughter to a brothel. Mm. But you have to understand that these were very very different times sure. these were desperate times so i there's no excusing it but these things did happen uh, absolutely it was a different world back then right and Rao just mentioning yeah manchuria going out to live there as a family it's a harsh territory more so in the winter and the main character's parents passed away there right so the song he sings is actually something quite meaningful because in the reading you got a hint of that saying that when he was young he didn't understood the meaning yeah. right behind it. What was the song about? Then? It's it's actually a really sad song. The The lyrics are the last part of the story. Uh -huh. It's a song that talks about rice fields that have been paved over. Oh. About a friend who spoke out in public and has been sent to prison. An old man who was alive but now lies in the public cemetery. And the girl with the pretty face who's now stuck in a brothel. Oh, goodness. And he used to sing that without realising its true meaning. Yeah. And for me, well, it's a song about Japan's occupation of Korea, about the harm that they did to the people of Korea. And I said I'd tell you why I picked this story for today. 
Um, it's the 11th of August today. Mm-hmm. This coming Sunday is uh, August the 15th. It's Kwang Bok Chol. Ah. That's the National Liberation Day of Korea, one of the most important um, national holidays in yes. Korea. And it seems really appropriate to share this short story about the struggles that ordinary Koreans had to go through during Japanese occupation. Yeah, and the tale's really interesting. It looks at some really extreme things like getting sold to a brothel. But the setting, like just a little conversation on a train between strangers and getting deep like that, that's a real kind of juxtaposition, which makes it really an intriguing little tale. Yeah, well, what you have to understand is while all these horrors were were happening, people still had to carry on and live. Mm. People still had to live their ordinary lives. And it's hard to understand what that must have been like almost like you need to disconnect in your brain yes you know that you know a whole village has disappeared but you have to go to Seoul for work um yeah so uh, for me it captures this mood this melancholy this terrible tragedy of the time Mm -hmm. and so I'm really sad that Hyun Jin Gon never saw Korea's liberation passing away before that yeah but his stories they really help remind us of how much was lost during those dark decades and how we must never forget the suffering that went on. Yeah. The the thing about Liberation Day is the name itself does not mean Liberation Day literally, right? No, no, that's the thing. Kwang Bok Cho means the restoration of light day, the <sighs> day that light came back, almost as if that Korea was shrouded by this darkness for almost 50 years. Mm-hmm. And then... In 1945, finally, the light came. Korea was liberated. Yeah, and there were listeners from other countries who, you know, had to experience some Japanese colonial rule. And some of them mentioned earlier, during the war, maybe, it was even more uh, prominent. And the behaviour, maybe, of the Japanese was even worse then. But throughout all the decades, and we talked about it uh, a lot this week because we've got Liberation Day coming up, there were so many struggles, especially if you tried to speak out, then it was awful for you as life. And, uh, yeah, with Liberation Day coming up, I mentioned it yesterday with Jen, uh, on Monday, in fact, it used to be wonderful to see so many Korean flags, like, flying from apartments. Yes. These days, not as many people doing it as before, which is a bit N- sad. Not as many, but in my neighbourhood, they are. Oh, um, I live in a neighbourhood with a lot of older people, mm-hmm. um, okay. lots of grannies and grandpas, yeah. and the flags are all out. Oh, they are great. out in certain places. I think, you know, in these big apartment blocks, it's sometimes difficult to flag a f- uh, to fly a flag out of your window. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the older areas of Seoul, where there are these what we call juteks and villas, these sort of standalone smaller buildings, mm. more people do do it. It still does mean a lot, and it's a holiday that we should never forget. I know that there are some people that come this Sunday will treat it as just another day. Sure. Or if it was on a different year, on a Monday or a Tuesday, it'd be great, a day off. Mm. But it's really important that we remember this part of history, that we understand what went on and that we pay tribute to those who struggled and fought for democracy because there were so many people who gave up their lives or who gave up their liberty to 
give us the democracy that we have today. Absolutely, yes. And uh, it must be said, along the streets, a lot of the uh, streets align with the tegukis, the Korean flags. The governments do that, uh, local ones, which is really lovely to see. What an interesting tale, Sarah, saying it's an epic book, it sounds like. Just seven pages, though, Sarah. He said, you need to get it. Another one from Paul that makes me want to get it. And as we said, it's free on the internet. Just yeah. uh, type in home and the author's name and you should Hyun, find it. Hyun Jin Gon. That's H-Y-U-N. J-I-N hyphen G-E-O-N and it will come up. Uh, we've got to say a massive thanks to you, Paul, for your beautiful readings as ever. Oh, thanks to you. Thanks to everyone. Thanks as always to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for their help with copyright permission for this broadcast. Thank you to Hyun Jin Gon who wrote these amazing stories and to Sora Kim Russell for her beautiful translation. I will be back next week with another book. I promise. Hopefully it won't make you cry. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.